We're just going to go with it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. Hi, Leo. Are you enjoying Dorothy's hometown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're anywhere close to Dorothy's hometown. Uh, this is Leo. And I'm Nikki. We're the RV boys. And this is the Motorhome Murder Show. So, Leo, are you a friend of Dorothy? Oh, honey, being, always being, and forever will be. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I just see Kansas as just like one happy place. One plain happy place. One happy place. That's how you see Kansas. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's interesting. But we're here. We are We're here. In... We made it. We had a long travel day to get here. Yes. But we made it. <laughs> we made it work. And, of course, after saying last week that, like, the it didn't matter if the fan was working or not because it wasn't that hot to drive. We had the hottest travel day imaginable. <laughs> oh my god, it was over a hundred degrees. Yes. It was really hot driving the RV. Oh, sweaty long drive, but yeah. we made it. But we it arrived. was a beautiful drive. We left the windy uh, ways of the windy the roads. windy roads of Oklahoma. Up. Oh. Where were we? Where were we, Leo? Where were we last? Where did we just leave? No, that was Mississippi. Where? <laughs> you mean Arkansas? Arkansas? And then we drove through a little bit of Missouri? Missouri. Into Kansas? Just leave, leaving the windy roads of Arkansas and a little bit of Missouri to yeah. towards just the plains and beautiful roads of and it de- Kansas. And you could really tell, like, the... Yeah, it kind of, like, leveled out a little bit, and then the trees just kind of, like, disappeared. Yeah, the greenery and... And, the, and then the, it was just, like, the, like, rolling hills of fields rather than, like, lush trees. It was yes, fields. exactly. It was a big difference there, but it's nice. Uh, we ended up in a new place with a lake, so it's nice. Yeah, surprise. Yet another there. state park by a lake. That seems to, <laughs> we seem to be having a trend. Yes, with the most beautiful moon reflection on the water I've ever seen. It was, it was so beautiful. It yes, we had a me. great view of the strawberry moon. Beautiful, beautiful. So over the water, it was great. So we are in, well, we're outside of Lindsburg, Kansas, which is literally like the middle of Kansas. There's not a lot around here. We're like south of uh, Salina, um, north of Wichita, like just out in the middle, literally the middle of Kansas, uh, near a lake. Uh, state park, so it's nice. It's a interesting little city, Lindsberg is. Let's uh, talk about what we're drinking real quick, and then we'll talk about Lindsberg, Let's huh? Let's do it, yeah, because I'm going to get thirsty, so we need something. Yes, so surprisingly to everyone, I'm sure, there's not a lot of natural wine shops just scattered about the countryside of Kansas. Shocking. So, that I could find online, I looked. If they're there, they're not advertising very well. 
But that means it's beer again this week. But I know that next week I will have natural wine. We'll figure out something. I know where I'll be finding natural wine next week, so I'm happy about it. But to get me through this week, I found a Kansas-made beer. It's from Defiance uh, Brewing Company. It's called Promised Land Hazy IPA. I looked on their website. I looked on, like, untapped. I looked everywhere. Nowhere tells you what hops they use for this. (laughs) Nothing. They don't really... There's no descriptions, flavor notes, anything on their site or anywhere else. You just have to buy it and figure out what you like. I locked out, luckily, though, because I like... New England style hazy IPAs, not West Coast IPAs. There is a very big difference. <laughs> and I'm very happy that this is a New England style IPA. It's very citrusy, a little bit floral. It's really good. I have no idea what hops they used for it, but it's really it's good. It's a mystery. So Promised Land Hazy IPA from Defiance Brewing Company is really good. I really like it. Um, it doesn't have a really long lingering like bitter finish that some IPAs do especially the West West Coast IPAs. On the can, though, it's a beautiful can, Mm -hmm. but it says an ambitious beer, and it is an ambitious beer. It's at 7% uh, 7 alcohol, so that's pretty high for a beer. That's like double what most domestics are, so they're not playing around. Drink responsibly. Yes, and there's a beautiful con, very modern, a lot of grays and blues tones. We'll definitely put a picture on Instagram, but it's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's beautiful. I I have to be honest that I was sold on the, the design of the can. The store that I went to had an amazing selection. This one had a beautiful can that drew me to it. And then it's from Hayes, Kansas, which is within 45 minutes of here. So it's a local one. Um, we're actually going to be driving through there on our way out of here this weekend. So we'll go by the brewery, basically. That's amazing. Love it. All right. So now that we have our drinks... They're delicious. Oh, well, that's what I'm drinking. Leo, what are you drinking? Because you don't like IPA. I'm drinking basic European-style apple cider. But I do have to say it's my favorite. It reminds me of London. Uh, It's the Stella Artois. I can't even say Stella Artois. (laughs) Stella Artois, Cidre Cider. Um, Yeah, that's our favorite one when we moved back. Yes. um, I wish they had the pear one like they do in Europe, but... Well, maybe that's not for its face. It's not the right market. Beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. So I'm just getting here refreshed, nice yes. apple cider. Yeah, that's a great cider. So you enjoy that. I'll enjoy my IPA. And yeah, so Lindsberg is a interesting little city. Like it's small pop. It's less than 4,000 people. So it is a small town. So everything I got about Lin- uh, Lindsberg is from uh, the... Lindsberg Town website as well as World Population Review. Lindsberg is in central Kansas in the Smoky Valley and it's in McPherson County. Population is 3,284. Mm-hmm. Now, most things like when you look online, it's like, oh, town of 4,000, town of 4,000. No, it's barely over 3,000. So I don't know how these people are rounding up so much, but it's barely over 3,000. <laughs> And it's actually been in a steady decline for the last few years. It's down 5% from what it was in 2010. And let's see, the uh, racial breakdown real quick of the town is uh, 91.5% white, uh, 4.4% black, 2.4% are two or more races, 0.85% Asian, 
and uh, 0.52% other race, like identify as another race, and 0.33% are Native American. And once again, no Hawaiians or Pacific Islanders. So I swear, one day we will find a little small town on the countryside where there's like a big group of Pacific Islanders. But we have not found it yet. But it's a a younger city. Um, So the median age in the U.S. is 38. And here it's 30.7. So younger city, younger families. There's 627 senior citizens living here so not too many like not a huge retired community it's mostly younger families uh the average household is three people and then fun history about the town is that it's also known as little sweden usa and over 30 percent of the population have swedish lineage still yeah it's a fun weird thing it was settled by swedish immigrants in 1869 so that's where the lineage comes from, and they still they have like a Swedish fest every year. Yeah, there's signs all over town, like really beautiful, like bakeries and stuff. There's yeah, they they have like the these like Swedish horses. Um, I can't think of what they're called, but they're it's like a Swedish design that Swedish comes from a vi- the village that they came that this the settlers came from, and so they have these like painted horses all over town, beautiful Victorian houses. There's Bethany College, and like the downtown Victorian buildings have a, a very Scandinavian influence, which is fun um, because it's just a twist of the traditional Victorian uh, buildings that you're used to seeing in the states. So that's a fun, fun difference. And um, the settlers, when they settled here, they envisioned a community of rich in culture, learning, religion, business, and farming. And that's still very prominent. They have a lot of art, as we said, all over um, for the culture. The, there's a college here. There's multiple churches with different religion backgrounds. So they're kind of focusing on all of that still, which is really cool. Yeah, and the Swedish pavilion from the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis was donated to Bethany College after the World's Fair and it was used for multiple things for them and then it was moved to another site owned by the community the, by the city and now it's like a museum basically that oh, you can go cool. and see and stuff so that's it's beautiful i drove by it and i want to go back and take some pictures and stuff cuz it's really pretty nice yeah but just a beautiful little town um not much i don't know i it was it's pretty i didn't get much of a vibe driving through or hanging out um i hope to go back and do a little bit more we did also, like, so we're in between a few towns, so we're, like, close to Lindsberg, but we're also close to Selena. Uh, we did go hang out there, too, and yeah. be, it, way way bigger and more fun than I expected it to be. Yeah, same. It was, it's, you know, I think, again, it's, again, the bias. Like, I, get, I imagine Kansas like, like, one thing, right? <laughs> just a plain, boring thing, but there's just people here. There is culture. There is... Uh, you know it was nice walking through it like there's a lot of outside activities you can tell like when we got to this bar for example they're like oh just go and we're like we've never been here oh you've never been here so you can tell that a lot of people spend a lot of time here and like the rv park yeah yeah so it's it's nice the the, the whole vibe is we haven't explored much but it's yeah it's but like in selena there's great like uh, street art the wall mm-hmm. art the murals beautiful art like everywhere yes. so it's it's it was a nice surprise to see that there's street art and th- fun things going on. And we saw a few f- 
bright flags that, that yeah um which is something that we're always looking for when we're coming into these towns is right. like how welcome are we and how inclusive and to see pride flags hanging out on people's front doors is always important for yeah, us exactly. you know so it was it was nice but i am completely curious to see our what, what kind of shit happens around here in I a mean, beautiful little sweden yeah, usa it can, it can not be that perfect everybody waves to it we noticed that everybody waves when you're driving by yes everyone waves um which is nice like you know in in like we drive a jeep and like it's typical with jeep drivers to like do the little wave to each other right more common in different areas but like here it's just like it doesn't matter what vehicle you're driving everyone's waving at everyone yeah um which is it's fun because it's like friendly community but it always it always throws me off (laughs) especially when it happens multiple times in a row i'm like are you trying to get my attention for something (laughs) but yeah so i did find quite a dark story this week it was a little hard to get information on it just because it happened in 1999 in a small town so resources were limited but also like because of the content it was just really hard to read about like it's a it's a heavy story this week so i will i am giving you guys a warning it's a little (laughs) bit heavier of a story i am i'm not focusing on like the heart heavier stuff there but it is there so just so fyi yeah so for this article or for this article for this episode for the information i found a few articles in the wichita eagle by deb grover and Stan Finger. And then I also found a couple articles by a- on AP News by Roxanne Hedgeman. So each one luckily had like done kind of follow-up stories. So I- but besides them, nobody else had any information about it. So I was glad they did. So I'm going to tell you about the horrific murder of the three Jones children oh my God. in Lindsburg, Kansas in 1999. The Jones children are... Christopher George Jones, aged seven, Joshua David Jones, age five, and their little sister, two-year-old Sarah Jane Jones. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's children, it's heavy, but unfortunately it's all I could find in this picture-perfect town. Right. So, I mean, I tell you, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? We think of it as perfect, yeah. and it's not. Um, so, all right, so a little bit about the Joneses. <laughs> So the father is, uh, at the time, is 47-year-old uh, Christopher E. Jones. He was raised in Wichita, Kansas. His father taught for the school district in Wichita for 30 years. And in one article it said he was a twin, but there's no mention of a sibling or anything, no names of the family either. I couldn't find like his parents' names. It's said that he had a twin, but I couldn't find any information about that either. Nothing really about his childhood, but that he was raised in Wichita to his father was a teacher. And I mean, that's fine. Like they're innocent in the story, so we don't need their names anyway. But his wife, the mother of these children, is 34 year old uh, Catherine. She goes usually goes by Kathy um, Jones, and she was also from Wichita, Kansas. They'd been married for 10 years at the time, and they were married on August 5th in 1989. So the family had recently moved back to Kansas from Maine. Christopher is actually very well educated. He ha- he was known for his uh, degrees, for his uh, doctorate and his credentials. He had a doctorate in pharmacology, and he worked in forensic tox- uh, as a forensic toxicologist, and that's what took him them to Maine. He was offered a position as the director of the forensic laboratory in Winslow, Maine, for young laboratories. So. 
he he and his wife moved i believe when they moved it was with two children and then they had the third in maine according to co-workers his office was decorated with all of his degrees and with pictures of his family so the things that he was most known for and cared about was his education and his family and that's it was showed like that's what his office was about and he worked for for this company from August 1st, 1996 until March 12th, 1999. And unfortunately, that's when he was laid off because the company was downsizing. Oh, so he lost his job in Maine. And he was obviously stressed about that. But apparently, he and Kathy like never really sh- showed to the to friends or family that they were like in a, in a bind. They weren't really showing that they were stressed. And he was known throughout the community and a regular presence in church. Like they were... They went to church every every Sunday. Kathy was in the church choir. He was a prominent member. They the and like fellow members of the church said that they like never struggled enough to like ask members for help. Even when he got laid off, um, some other members of their church were building a new house, and so their old house on their property they offered to them for free if they needed it since he was out of work if they needed they had this free house to live in and they never took them up on it so they weren't in a struggling situation but he did lose his job so they were in a in a bind Mm -hmm. the family pastor in maine reverend uh terence mckinley he was interviewed at one point after the children were murdered and he mentioned that chris was anxious when he lost his job but he and he wasn't optimistic about finding another in the northeast and that's why it was no surprise when they told everyone that they were moving back to Kansas. Gotcha. So they he lost his job. That was the only reason they were in the Northeast. With his such, like focused field, it wasn't going to be easy to find another job. So it was just going to be easier if they moved back home. Mm-hmm. And when they moved, they moved into Kathy's grandmother's house. Her grandmother had passed away the previous November. So her house was empty in Lindsberg. So they moved in there. And like a lot of Lindsberg, it, it was a very colorful house. So it was like a fun, like vi- colorful Victorian house for the family to move into. And at this time, Chris uh, was a stay-at-home dad while Kathy found a job as an office assistant for the Chamber of Commerce in Lindsberg. Mm-hmm. So she was working for the city at the Chamber of Commerce. He was a stay-at-home dad and looking for a job in Wichita, something in like the closest city that would have something in his field right and the neighbors loved that he was a stay-at-home dad like the women in the neighborhood really thought it was it was great to see him like walking the kids to the bus stop and like he was such a hands-on dad no this would be in the 90s 90s, in the late 90s but yeah so like it's the late 90s in a small town in kansas i'm sure there weren't a lot of stay-at-home dads like so the neighborhood really liked him they called him they lovingly referred to him as Mr. Mom. Like, he was just... Like, they they always said that he had a great relationship with his kids and that he seemed to be really happy. And all of that is the reason that it was so shocking that on October 6th of 1999, Kathy was seen running from the house covered in blood and heard screaming, he's coming for me. So she ran to a neighbor's house and luckily they let her in. They called 911 and the the police arrived when the police arrived chris fled the scene causing a police chase and they finally caught up with him outside of the town uh smolen 
And that's where they finally got him to pull over and arrested him. But, and Kathy was covered in blood. She had multiple wounds, screaming that they were, that he was coming for her. And when the police went into the house, well, into her grandmother's house, you know, they hadn't been living there even a year, they discovered the deceased bodies of the three children. Oh my god. So, I'm not going to go really into detail about what happened to the kids, uh, mostly because we can all figure it out. They were killed in some way. Also, most of the articles don't even go into the police didn't release the information early on. It was in court. But you can speculate because Kathy was taken to the hospital and treated for multiple knife wounds. Uh, They found two knife and they found two knives thrown into the neighbor's yard. So obviously his weapon of choice was a knife. And when he got pulled over, he was he slit his throat before the police arrested him. So he tried to kill himself, but he didn't. So oh. they they treated him at the hospital on guard until he was able to be taken to the jail. Oh my so, gosh. yeah, he, he tried to end it, but didn't get away with it. Kathy was treated for a gash on her head, a cut on her hand, and multiple stab wounds to her chest. Mm. So, yeah, perfect father, oh. scientist, doctorate-holding guy. Oh. Suddenly just went crazy on his family, it seems. And when they, when they arrested him, they charged him. He was charged with three counts of first-degree murder, an aggravated battery for assaulting Kathy. Right. And he was hel- held on a $3.5 million bond. Oh. So there was no way he was getting out before court. Right. Horrible situation. Nobody really knows what was going on, obviously. So in July of 2000... He was supposed to have a review to see if he was mentally competent to stand trial, but instead his, his team and him surprised the courts by um, not only agreeing that he was competent, but he also put in a guilty plea. So he they, like they were it was just the day that they were going to see if he was even there mentally competently to go through trial. Right. And he was they were like, yeah, he's good and he's guilty. Like his own team was. So that's a little. That's crazy. Like, they didn't even put up a fight. Right. He also pled guilty to the aggravated assault for stabbing and choking Kathy, as well as hitting her with a baseball bat. Oh, my god! So she went through it that night, too. Not only losing her children, but she really went through it with him. Right. So the the weird part about this trial is that, because, I mean, it seems straightforward. He pled guilty. Everything is fine. But he was also claiming to the judge that he was in a mystical state during the murders. So he was having... So as he stated that it occurred during a classical mystical state involving separation of mind and body. And because of that separation, an encounter with a spirit of overwhelming evil came in to the picture basically so he's saying he was having an out-of-body experience and, and basically was possessed and whatever whatever evil spirit entered the picture is what did it not him what? in the house in the grandma's house you think i don't know i mean so. but like I, just the way he says it it's just it's you know one of those uh classical mi- <laughs> mystical situations you know it's just you imagine yeah it's just one of those classical mental states where, you know, separation of body and mind, you know, what? just happens to you every day. Like, classical. Yeah, horrible. 
He blamed the killings on a mystical second conversation with an evil spirit. So he was, in his mind, having a discussion, conversation with this evil spirit. What? But at the time, he was actually killing his children and fighting his wife. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he said in spite of this and his mental state at the time, he understood from his attorneys that he had the requisite premeditation for the first-degree murder charges. So even though he was in this (laughs) out-of-body... And the neighbor's car. (laughs) You gonna get that? (laughs) There we go. There, awesome. Yeah, so even though he was having this, like, out-of-body experience, it was he had like the requisite for it to be premeditation so there was no way he was getting get it out of it so they just said like he needed to plead guilty to plead the uh death penalty off the table basically because he was going to get found guilty there was no way around it and the only way to not go get the death penalty was going to be to plead guilty which is what he did so in 20 uh in 2000 he was sentenced to three life sentences in prison and he was also sentenced to 43 months on top of that for the aggravated battery of for attacking Kathy. Right. Yeah. So he is in prison. I mean, three life sentences. He's going to be there quite some time. There's no way he's getting out. But he did get away without getting the death penalty, um, which they did try to bring back on the table. But because of his plea he what they weren't able to that's wild i wonder if he did any damage of his throat trying to um i I don't think he did it deep enough but because and they like i mean probably enough to where he would have bled out if they didn't get him in time but yeah so i don't think he like hit any vocal i don't think he went deep enough that way but Hmm. i don't know where he slit on his own throat exactly but oh my gosh yeah so just you know a real uplifting story there yeah, it's very unfortunate because it is like a, it is a very beautiful like town. I mean, they have like the red cobblestone road going through town. It's just really beautiful, and so it's just really sad to like think that. But at the same time, I mean, this that's what we're here to talk about and show that like okay. this happens everywhere. Yeah, it's, and it's not perfect. It's not this beautiful picture perfect mm-hmm. in town. The the stuff hap- happening in the back end that that we don't know. Yeah. Wow. Holy moly. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for those beautiful children. Yeah, I feel bad for the children. I feel bad for, for Kathy. Her. Like, right. she, she lost her children. Her entire world was flipped completely around right. in uh, in one moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, she's knows. lucky to have survived, but I'm sure it was very hard for her to have survived and not have lost her entire family, basically. Yeah, exactly. And who knows what the reasons, mental health, or who knows what yeah what's going on i mean i'm curious as to what it was that he and his team talked about that like when they were going in for the competency hearing they just decided no this isn't necessary he's competent and he's guilty like where did that they that wasn't even on the table for that day and they just brought it in like i wonder i wonder why i wonder what it was that made them just be like we don't even have to go through that (laughs) like let's just just because he's the claim, claiming the mystical out of body experience, like to me, that's showing like maybe he wasn't mentally competent f- to stand trial. Let's take it and then 
But it's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, Leo, if people want to talk to us about this, if they want to tell us what they think, yes. how can they get in touch with us? Please check out the rvvoice.com. Uh, boys with an I, remember that. And they, they, they can message us, emails. Just get in touch with us. And we, they can also find us on social media, Twitter, at the rvvoice. And for me, it's at Reina Salty on Twitter and Instagram. And you can and find me at Nikki RV Boy again with an I on Twitter and Instagram. So. Yeah, just excited. Thank you, thank you, Nikki. And I'm excited for for us to continue on the road and discover more creepy, horrible stories. I don't know why, but yeah, <laughs> that's that's what we're here to do. So uh, I mean, stay safe out there, everyone. And I mean, it's still Pride Month, so happy Pride. Yeah, happy Pride. Right, take it easy. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.